TR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning and welcome to 3CR Thursday Breakfast. Sorry, we're a little bit behind, but that's uh, Thursday for you. It feels like a Tuesday after know, yesterday's I'm Monday. I'm so confused about what day it is and what's going on. Yeah. Yes. They always say we have, uh, you, you know, you should be lucky to get one Monday a week, but yesterday it just felt like it was mm. another Monday. Um, but welcome, Grace. Welcome, Rashida. Welcome, Dean. Welcome. Another jam-packed show today. Uh, lots been happening. But first of all, we would like to acknowledge... Um, that we are on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge uh, the continued resilience of the First Nations people on the face of ongoing colonisation and settlement. And we like to acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded and treaty was never signed here at 3CR. Uh, on the show today, we're going to have um, some audio from a rally in about uh, 10 minutes or so. And then at 7.30 we'll be talking to Refugee Action Collective spokesperson Chris Breen, who's been a regular guest here on 3CR, uh, with the lawyers appealing the court ruling on Manus detention. Uh, and that, you know, obviously Manus is still unsafe. There's still a lot going on. And at 7.45 we will um, hope um, from Tuesday Breakfast speaks with uh, Karima Baidila and they discuss an upcoming event featuring Indigenous uh, women of colour exploring um, foundational qualities of being through material and object relations. And then after eight, we will touch on a few... Um, uh, we've got some pre-records of, of what it means, the Yes for Love campaign for, for, for people, I guess for kids, for, for marriage and, um, you know, and for uh, our listeners in, in, in general. Mm-hmm. And that will be us done for Thursday the 9th of November. Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival. Featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday the 1st of December from 10am to 3pm at Crown Riverwalk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Tune in, dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5, and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. The 
The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defense fund. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash solidarity defense fund. A 3CR supporter. Palestine National Day is being celebrated on November the 15th, 5pm at Federation Square. Join us as we raise the Palestinian flag. Hear Palestinian youth sing the Palestinian National Anthem. Palestinian band 48 will perform traditional and resistance music. Join our dance and dubkey crew and enjoy Palestinian food and culture in this family event. See you there. Palestine National Day, November 15th, 5pm at Federation Square. Be there. 3CR supporter. Good morning, you're listening to 3CR. Sorry for my voice, guys. I had a massive cold. So we're going to talk about Manus Island and the humanitarian crisis. I can't call it anything else. It's a huge crisis. So we'll be hearing from speakers that actually were living in Manus Island. So it's Really, really important that you be listening to what they have to say because there is nothing better to hear from someone that have experienced it. So the speakers are from the Bring Them Home rally that was held in Melbourne on Saturday, the 4th of November, 2017. And they literally are speaking about their horrendous I don't have any other word to say that I'm so upset. I'm so sorry about my shaking voice because I'm really angry. I don't think there is any other feeling when you hear what they've experienced, their conditions. We are treating them like animals. There is no other words. So you'll be hearing now from Aran Milvaganam. He was born in Nagarkovil in northern Sri Lanka. Between 1995 and 1997, he lived in a refugee camp in Udayar Kadu before coming to Australia as a 13-year-old unaccompanied refugee in 1997. So he was detained in Villawood Detention Center for three months. In 2011, he founded the Tamil Refugee Council. So Aaron currently works as a union union organizer with the finance sector union and is a spokesperson for the Tamil Refugee Council. Please listen to what he has to say. It's heartbreaking to see the situation of those on Manus, the, the refugees on Manus Island who are denied basic services then and now are being denied any services at all. And it is inspiring to see the 600 men organizing themselves and protesting for over 90 days. This morning, I was speaking to a Tamil man on the island. He said they're struggling to make the most basic ends meet. In a few days, medicine will run out. He said 85% of the men on the island are on medication. There is no water. 
They have dug wells for water which they have to boil, but they have no firewood. They have to go into the sea to go to the toilet because there is no water in the camp. Hygiene standards are poor. We know asylum seekers have died from disease on manners. There is no food. He said he suspects the local authorities are preventing delivery of any food or supplies to the camp. Friends, the lives of all these men are in danger. Instead of, you know, we hope that the, uh, the laws could protect these people, instead of listening to the laws, instead of listening to the Papua New Guinea uh, court ruling, the Australian government wants to punish these people more. They deliberately, they were deliberately being tortured by our government and now the screws are being tightened. These refugees on manners who have fled such persecu persecution from their home countries are only being subjected to the same treatment by our government. And what is Malcolm Turnbull's response? Our Prime Minister, rather than attending to this emergency call, he is touring Israel and Sri Lanka to help the Sri Sena regime who are still persecuting the Tamil people. These 600 men on Manus Island have not, any, have not committed any crimes to deserve this treatment. Australia must bring the 600 refugees on Manus Island into the community immediately. But friends, our government will not do it though. They will not do it. They want to torture these refugees so that others will not choose to come here. The Labour and the Liberals, there is bipartisan support for this cruelty. It is, it, is, it is the people, it is the people in the community, it is we who can bring an end to this cruelty. Refugees who have fled brutal regimes shouldn't be subject to the same level of torture they fled from. We should continue. You know, just in, the, in a short notice, we, we have seen so many people coming in support of refugees. We need to keep going. We need to escalate our actions against the disgusting, shameful and illegal tactics of our government. For so long, for so long, we have advocated patiently for change. It's been falling on deaf ears. I have come here today not just to be part of this rally, but also to be part of the occupation of Melbourne Streets. That's what real fight back is. Let us use whatever means necessary to bring an end to this corrupt system of corrupt system of uh, torturing refugees. Let us keep up the fight and never rest until 
we bring an end to this siege until we rescue the 600 men and manners and shut down all the detention centres. Thank you. Heartbreaking to listen to this. You feel like you're from another planet yeah. listening to that. You don't feel that an Australian government will... Coming, you know, like in international scene, poking at other countries for their breaches of human rights. And then they have the potentially the biggest humanitarian crisis happening in their own backyard. That they yeah. orchestrated as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because I think for, for us, because we're on, on the issue, we're, we're well aware. You know, last Wednesday, last Tuesday, mm. there was a lot of things going out on social media that we sort of, you know, obviously detainees were digging, looking for water because they were thirsty. And then as you move on, obviously we're here every Thursday, by the time Saturday came, the mainstream people, all they were concerned about was, oh, We've got a horse race this weekend. Oh, please don't <laughs> get know. me started on yeah, this. I think I'm gonna, we're going to be cancelled if we get started on this. Yeah, with yeah, all yeah. those girls with their hats, that's all they care about completely. That's a disgrace, I feel. I feel. Do they even realise where they're going to? Yeah. Yeah. Do they um, realise or they don't? Okay, let's get started. Otherwise, <laughs> but also there was a really exciting action that happened on Cup Day too. Which yes, on Saturday. We should, um, no, Tuesday. That oh, felt yeah. like Saturday because it was a public holiday. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. Actually, it was Tuesday. No, no, but we had a we had a there was an action organised by um, Deborah as well. Yeah, there was on a Tuesday rally on a rally yeah. that, that happened, obviously, which yeah. um, and we, a banner we're, drop and uh, which we're we're still um, um, you know, um, discussing now for the for the next uh, ten fifteen minutes or so because yes, it was quite impactful. Yes, we will listen to Beruz Bukani. So he's a Kurdish journalist, he's a human rights defender, and he's been tweeting live from Manis Island. So I will read you some of his tweets. The latest tweet he wrote, What have I done in Manis prison camp is tell people around the world that Papua New Guinea, sorry, my accent today is all over the show, Papua New Guinea, and Australia are violating human rights. Don't threaten me. Won't stop. Then... He tweeted, I want to say thank you to these guys above Bishop's office right now. Also to the other people who did courageous protests yesterday are races. Last tweet, the Australian, the Aussie newspaper said 24 people left the prison camp. Only 50 left because they were sick and two came back. About 600 men here and determined to stay. Well done. That's amazing to have this type of tweet from someone that is living it. So we'll be listening to his uh, recording. So please, full attention. We have uh, become refugees for a second time inside the, this hellhole. Abandoned and left to fend for ourselves uh, as best we can. We are asking people around the world to hear our voice. We are forgotten people who have been under torture in an Australian prison camp for nearly five years. Even though we have committed no crime, the Australian government is now willfully forcing us into even more danger. So that was Beruz Bukani. Please follow him on Twitter. So his handle is at Beruz, B-E-H. R-O-U-Z-B-O-O-C-A 
C-H-A-N-I. I take the time to say that because you need to follow him. You need to hear what he has to say about the disgrace happening right now. Don't you think, Grace? What a joke mm-hmm. is that? It's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe that this is happening right now. So please follow him on Twitter. I repeat, follow him on Twitter. So his handle is at Beruz Bukani. We will leave all the details on our website anyway. So the next recording will be from Walid. Let me get his name right. Walid Zaza. I'm so sorry about the name pronunciation, but it's Zazai, Z-A-Z-A-I. So he's a young Afghan coming from, uh, I don't remember the name exactly, the city, but he's been persecuted and is currently detained on Manis Island. He has been there for five years. Can you just imagine five years? So please listen to what he has to say. Hey, I am Walid Zazai. I'm sending you this message from Australia One Detention Center on Manus Island in PNG. The situation in Manus is getting worse and we need your help. We are asylum seekers who have spent 50 long months in Australian immigration detention on Manus Island, PNG. During this time, six of our fellow asylum seekers have died and many of us have become mentally and physically sick. We seek only to live in a safety, in a free society where we can contribute. We want to live in a free, democratic, secular society that welcomes refugees. Many of us come from extremely dangerous situations in countries like Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Burma, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Somalia, Sudan, and Bangladesh. Most of us have never known safety in our lives. We desperately wish to call a safe country home and to be able to contribute our talents, hard work, love and loyalty to that country. Please, Australians, stand up and speak for humanity if you think refugees are humans. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. So that was Walid Zazai. You can follow him also on Twitter at Zazai Walid. Z-A-Z-A-I-W-A-L-I-D. So please follow him. I repeat, at Zazai Walid. Z-A-Z-A-I-W-A-L-I-D. I take the time to say that, not because I think you're dumb or you can't listen, because I want you to have the correct spelling. So it's so important that you follow. You don't underestimate the power of social media, thinking, oh, what am I going to achieve following him on Twitter? You achieve more than you think. A call to your MP achieve more than you think. Don't forget that MP work for you, not the other way around. Sure, they have amazing cars, amazing condition, but they are public servant. Yeah. They work for you. So if they don't pick up the phone, you should complain. I did call. They didn't pick up the phone. So I wrote a complaint and I got an automated message saying, your message has been received. <laughs> I really hope I get an answer. They say, who is this French national? You can't even vote. But I still did it. Yeah, especially, especially it. because we had all the four phone numbers last week for yeah. Malcolm Turnbull, Julie Bishop, yeah. uh, the uh, um, assistant to Mr. Dutton, because Mr. Dutton doesn't probably have his own direct line. He's always got his uh, um, lackey doing the work. But, uh, you know, it was, it, it, 
I think it was it's had a lot of impact. A lot of people would have called mm. those numbers um, last week. Yeah, I was at work um, uh, with a bunch of students, and I made all the students <laughs> ring all the phone numbers as well. But yes. we couldn't get through, I think, because so many people had been ringing and there was no space left on the message bank and they weren't taking calls, which and I think is a good sign. Yes. And I think what's going to be really um, good will be to hear from, from Chris regarding the, um, the appeal of the court ruling yes. as well. Um, he'll be coming up in, uh, at around 7.30. Yes, so now another recording from Safikul Islam. He came by boat. He's a refugee from Rohingya. He's a union activist and an organiser. So we'll be listening to what he has to say. It is, hard to, it is hard to know where to start because of the horror unfolding on Menes Island. It's almost overwhelming. Among 600 under siege and starving inside of the broken concentration camp, there are refugees from everywhere, Tamils, Kurdish, and more. I'm a Rohingyan, and I know there is a Rohingya refugees in that awful place. I can tell you what they have through before they lock up in Menas Island. Over 600,000 men, women and children forced to flee to Bangladesh from Burma after escalating of ongoing genocide. For over 50 years, Rohingya people face rape, torture, kidnapping, and murder from the Tamadol, the Burmese military on behalf of Burmese government. The UN Office of the High Commissioner described as it is a textbook example of ethnic cleansing. Since, since 2012, many of us have come here, Australia, by boat to seek a safer life. I came here by boat to in 2013. Our community is starting to organize and fight for on behalf of our brothers and sisters. A last night, we rallying over 300 Rohingya in Collins Street. Many of our community have joined the National Union of Workers and the National, the union is helping, helping with us and we feel we finally have a home. So that was Safikul Islam. So he came by boat, as I said. And please, you can follow him on his Facebook page. He has a Facebook page. It's Shofikul, S-H-A-W-F-U-L. Sorry. I made a mistake. You see how important it is to spell it right. S-H-A-W-F-I-K-U-L dot Islam. I-S-L-A-M. Follow him on Facebook for more updates. So it's... I just don't even... I'm losing my words. I'm just so into what he just said. What do you think, Dean? It's just out of this world. I have to pinch myself to say, is this really happening in 2017? It's um yeah it's mind-boggling because I think uh, you you sort of take it for granted when you're a resident of Australia and you've got all the liberties and you know even people who uh, personal experiences you know are found 
in the late, early 90s, late 80s, that people who were sort of a bit more um, uh, racist seemed to be people who were also migrants themselves, exactly. but not people born in, in this country. And then as it sort of keeps going, uh, there are people who were migrants who, who who sometimes I think they don't really want to know about that because they're safe in their space. So I think we Actually, need the whole community to get together and, and have everyone involved. I think I it's agree. also worth pointing out that white-born Australian has a massive history of racism yeah. as well. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. yes. I think it's sometimes easy to see what when people see. are different that they're also, you know, have things going on that aren't yeah. that nice but also that racism and it's a collective it's a collective of thought, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's very important to remind our listener that there is a recurring event every Friday at 5.30 at the State Library as a solidarity because I watched a documentary years ago where some detainees, like French detainees, like I think, I don't remember the country, so I don't want to give the wrong fact, were saying that they could feel people standing up for them. So they do have a way to find out that people are demonstrating, are rallying, mm. and they are not being forgotten. I think it's so important to realize and tell our listener that it is not useless just to go in front of the state library, even standing there. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. I go to rally. I went for the a peaceful rally for um, marriage equality. I divert, like, uh, you know, like it's a different topic. But I just st- stood there and it was enough. You yeah. don't need to do anything else. Just go there. Be present. Be present. Give your time. And they will know about it and give them some strength. Because what else can we give them? They say it's strength in, strength in numbers. So 10 people compared to 100,000 people. Exactly. makes a big difference. Yes, yeah, so don't forget, every Friday at 5.30 at the State Library, and then it's followed by a march and street sit-in. I like that. We should all sit in and block the... Block the... Street. Streets. So that was Michael Jackson, They Don't Care About Us. What a powerful song, especially for our topic today. Mm. They Don't Care About Us. What a powerful song, right? To even say it yeah. out loud and sing it. It's, uh, he was uh, ahead of his time, um, Michael Jackson. Who beats Michael Jackson? Pardon? Who beats Michael uh, Jackson? Uh, no one really, but no some, one. some would say Prince. Let's, I, I, some. Let's, uh, get on to our next guest. So you're listening to 3CR. We are with Dean and Grace. It's Thursday breakfast. So now we are being joined by Chris Breen. He's a refugee activist from Refugee Action Collective. We're going to be discussing the humanitarian crisis happening right in front of our eyes in Manus Island. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Not a problem. So you sent us a media release about uh, lawyers that will appeal the court ruling on Manis Island. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, the the court um, found against the uh, refugees yesterday. There is an appeal that Ben Lomai is um, putting in today. Um, I can't probably, uh, you know, the, the, the asylum seekers were expecting a negative outcome from the court in the first instance. Um, but what they've said in response to that is it's not going to change their resistance, that they are not being shifted from one prison to another one, particularly one that's more unsafe than where they currently are. Uh, so, 
you know, hopefully the, the PNG, um, the appeal will decide to put back on power, water, food for refugees who've had it cut off. Um, you know, it is an incredible threat to these prisoners that they've got nothing to eat. Uh, but regardless of that, the refugees uh, continue to dig in and say they're not moving. And Chris, I think it's interesting in this light that, you know, we're dealing with such a complex uh, situation, especially in the court side, because there's really no precedent that they're, they're working for them, is there? Uh, no, there isn't a precedent. I mean, can you think of anywhere in the world that um, uh, prisoners have had their food completely cut off, power, water? Um, you know, it is, in my opinion, a crime against humanity mm. it is incredibly brutal what is being done to these people who have been australia's prisoners for almost four and a half years now and it doesn't really alter the fact that we we know manus island is unsafe and and the settlement itself of, of detainees in png is going to be impossible because of the threats that, that these detainees face well i mean it is unsafe we've had um 10 deaths offshore on Nauru and manus now six on manus um, there was the attacks that killed uh, Reza Barati um, just a Good Friday this year. The Navy shot 100 bullet holes um, into the centre. Even staff talked about fearing for their lives um, in that incident. And where um, the government wants to force the refugees, in part because the Navy wants their base back, the detention centre is built in the middle of the base, is to Loringal. Lor- Lor- where there have been a series of robberies, bashings, mutilations of refugees, including with machetes and uh, bush knives, cutting people to the bone. And so, you know, refugees' fears um, for their safety have been confirmed in blood. Um, it's also the case that the, the handful of refugees who were um, forced to Lorenga before this crisis broke out have gone hungry. They haven't had enough to eat. Um, they've uh, they've got a small uh, a, a hundred keener. It's about forty dollars a week they get, which isn't enough to buy food. They've had to have rations provided, but that's only like a cabbage a day. Um, they're also uh, at the Lorengo locations where the Australian government wants to force refugees. There's only one GP clinic in um, business hours, and that's ten kilometres away from two of the locations there. And refugees who have serious mental health issues now, which have been created by the detention centre, are on all sorts of um, uh, psychiatric drugs, are going to be unable to get any of those medicines there. It's just heartbreaking. So basically they are closing this, um, this jail, because there is no other word. Uh, and, but what is their plan? What are they going to do for them? So they just basically uh, they, say, they, don't, they don't have a plan. Exactly. The, the Supreme the Supreme Court found that the detention centre was illegal. The Turnbull government ignored that for over a year. Uh, the plan is to abandon uh, refugees there. Uh, so there's three locations in Lorengal. Uh, two of them are not being completely finished. News Corp published some, some pictures yesterday, including unfinished sewerage works. Um, it is the, the Turnbull government is just hoping to dig in and last until the election because they have put so much of their political capital into bashing refugees that they don't want to back down, but they have no plan. The offshore processing is inherently unstable and cruel. Exactly. And what are the arguments against taking these refugees 
You have Spanish, uh, you know, French. We we have a history of taking a lot of refugees and not putting the. We, I'm not saying we are the best country in the world. Far, far from it. But for a French national, seeing that Australia has such a big land, and you're thinking, surely you can fit in some people that are dying without food, without water, treated like less. They treat their dogs better. It feels. Well, it's, it's, it's Australia who's causing them to go without food. Uh, yes, taking these people would not be a problem. It's uh, now a bit over 600 refugees on Manus Island, about 800 on Nauru. It would not be a problem for Australia to take those. Uh, the most people who've ever come by boat to Australia in a single year is 20,000. Again, in a population that's getting close to 25 million, this is a drop in the ocean. It's because of the politics and the way that it's been, been used by the... Um, the government and sadly the, the opposition, the Labour opposition has been too silent on the question for too long as well and they set the camps up in the first place. Um, recently in the news there was talk that New Zealand said that maybe they were going to take some people. Can you speak a bit about that? Uh, yes, New Zealand has offered to take, Jacinta Ardern, the new um, Prime Minister, offered to take 150 of the refugees. Um, it's indicative that the Turnbull government has uh, rejected that. They say it would be a, um, a backdoor way of coming to Australia, um, although New Zealand's actually offered guarantees around that, which they shouldn't need to do. Mm. Um, it's, but I, mean, I think it says a lot as well about the fig leaf nature of the United States deal, that they're not prepared to take the New Zealand people. So at the moment, there have been 52 people um, gone to uh, the United States, and that's been after a year, 27 from Manus, 27, 26 from Nauru. Uh, if, if, even if it was sped up to 50 a month, it would take three years to um, clear those centres. So what we're saying is that the, these, these people, the men on Manus, the families on Nauru, sought asylum in Australia, and it's asylum, they should be brought to Australia. Because, um, I mean, even if the Turnbull government took up the New Zealand offer, that would still leave hundreds behind, and there has to be a solution for every single one of these people. Yeah, you're just talking about the US deal. So is that going to stay at only 52 people, or is that going to increase? Like, I realise that's not a solution. It's, yeah. But the, the United States deal, the a maximum capacity of that is 1,250. There's about 1,800 people that need um, places. Yeah. So that would still come up 450 short, but um, after well after a year, there's only been 52. There have been no more offers or guarantees of places made so far. It may be that they send more, but it's a it's a trickle. It's it's mm. uh, you know it will take years, if not decades, at this rate to to clear the camps. And Chris, I guess the other thing was um, as as early or I guess as, as late as, as yesterday, um, the, the lawyers in the case were going to appeal the findings, and it, and it, it stated that the Chief Justice found that while the applicant's um, you know, human rights may have been breached, the outcome was that damages, rather than an injunction, is the suitable remedy for, for I guess, um, you know, Baroons, yeah. because he's the only applicant. I mean, yeah, what are so damages? Like you know, like if you um, gave somebody $2 million, they still can't get off the island. 
No, I mean, that's, that's the other thing, that uh, there was the uh, compensation case. I mean, they've already been awarded damages, mm. um, $70 million, which sounds like a lot, but it's only, a, you know, I forget the number now, 1,500, or it's, it's small when you divide it by the number of refugees. But the incredible thing about it is that the crime for which damages has been and is being paid out, that is illegal uh, detention and breach of human rights, is continuing. So, you know, it's one thing to talk about paying more compensation but not ending the actual crime. It's an incredible thing. Um, and, and and what what really stumps me is, okay, we put the refugees on Manus Island and Nauru. Why is it happening in the PNG Supreme Court and not on, I guess, in the Australian Supreme Court? Um, because of the legal fiction around the Border Force um, Act. Okay. So Australia, yeah. Australia maintains that these are Papua New Guinea responsibility. Uh, the compensation case clearly found, I mean, it didn't find because Australia did a deal to avoid the findings. It agreed to pay the compensation. Uh, but it was a de facto admission that Australia is responsible for these people. Hmm. Um, they're... There have been cases which have been dismissed in the High Court here because of that, the legal fiction that they've been transported to another country. But Australia maintains effective control. The United Nations um, has, has said as much, yeah. um, even if the, the, the remedy is not possible in the courts here. But that's why... I mean, the other reason in the Papua New Guinea court is that they do have a provision in the Constitution against uh, detention without trial. Um, and so that yeah. was being that was able to be some kind of loophole. In, well, a right in a sense. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, no, we really appreciate you giving us um, an insight. I think, um, Grace. Oh, I just wanted um, to ask you. It's a bit off topic about what's happening um, with people that are actually in Australia, and I know that people have to get their claims in by the start of October. Um, I was wondering how, like, what happened with that and how many people got managed to get their claims in? Uh, almost everybody got their claims in in the end. It was an enormous effort um, from lawyers and groups like the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre and others to make sure that people didn't miss the, the um, cut-off as I understand it, there were, and I'm, again, I don't have the figures on me, it was a, a, maybe a few hundred or maybe actually it was 75, I think, who missed the cutoff. Mm-hmm. And that could be for a range of reasons. Those people might have had uh, claims underway and so that still may, might be all right. They might be people with mental health or language barriers or people who couldn't be found. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Nobody that I, nobody has been deported as a result of that, which was the threat. Yeah. Uh, there was also the threat to cut people off benefits. Um, that hasn't happened yet that I know either, although the, the let them stay, um, cohort of refugees, which is people who were on, which is a separate group to the October people. Mm-hmm. who were on Manus and Nauru and have come here for medical treatment and because of the campaign have been unable to be sent back. The government has cut uh, a number of those off, um, kicked them out of houses and cut them off services as well. Yeah, and I also know um, that people that have put claims in and got denied twice have also been kicked off all benefits and all support as well. 
and other yes. in the community. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the, one of the other effects of uh, the the deadline is that after being people weren't allowed to put in claims for years under the um, the no advantage policy that the the Gillard government set up. That mm. is, they were supposed to wait as long as they wait in camps anywhere. Um, and then all of a sudden they were told they had to rush their claims in, and if they don't get it right the first time, um, it, it increases the number of people who get knocked back, which I think is part of what the government was trying to do. So there is a risk of people not getting a fair uh, refugee determination. Yeah, because hmm. I, I had a look at those forms and they were really complicated. Um, yeah, no, there's an 80-page understand. form yeah. and, you know, um, let alone if you're you don't speak English or yeah, or over fear of being uh, persecuted for even taking action for some for some people who might not want to get you know um, involved. But Chris, we really appreciate you joining us on um, 3CR Thursday breakfast, and Thanks. you know there's a few um, uh, events that are happening obviously around Melbourne in regards to you know supporting refugees yep. um, and the work that Refugee Action Coalition. Coalition Collective. Collective, sorry, do is uh, very, very important. Thank you very much. That's all right. Could I just disclose one last thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's astounding the resistance of the refugees in the circumstances, and the solidarity here is very important. We do have a protest this Friday at 5.30 at the State Library. Uh, if people could come along to that. We, we, we do need to increase the pressure on the Turnbull government to end the hell on Manus and Nauru. Thank you, Chris. Um, appreciate Thank that you. very much. And that was uh, Chris Bean, uh, spokesperson for the Refugee Action Coalition. And <laughs> um, <laughs> collective. That's okay. <laughs> Coalition, collective, we're all in it together. We're all together, exactly, Dean. <laughs> um, and if people are interested in hearing some more around this issue, um, tomorrow afternoon from 4 till 5, Jan and Yvette um, from 3CR In Your Face will be speaking... Um, with some people from No Pride in Detention about the issues faced by LGBTQI refugees on Manus Island hmm. and Nauru. So that's tomorrow here on 3CR um, from 4 till 5. And it's very important. Please call your MP or call the Prime Minister. I won't give you all the list again, but please, at least one number. Call Malcolm Turnbull. His number is 0262777700. It does work. Please keep calling. Call, call, call. Thanks. Tune in, dig deep, and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers, and creepers, and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5, and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. So we're here with an ex-long-term detained refugee. We're just going to ask a few questions about the Eight Days of Solidarity campaign. So what is the campaign about? Some refugees come by boat uh, to Australia. They are still locked up nearly eight years in Australian detention centre. So we're going to talk about them with the people. So it's a good chance to tell about them in our city, 
locked up, long term detained people. And I guess people have been locked up for four years, three years, eight years, so it's about everyone. Yeah, so normally uh, in a Melbourne detention centre, more than eight years, some other friends are locked up, nearly three years, four years, five years. A lot of people locked up, that's many years they're locked up. We can talk about them. And what is the situation for people who have been in detention for a long time? So their lifestyle, they're saying, just wake up, uh, that's it, we did today. 24 hours they are doing just wake up only. Physically or mentally they don't have any mood to do anything. And also the environment also giving very strict and stressful life for them. Example, we can't wait uh, in the traffic light two seconds. So we are making deep breath or making some uh, stressful actions. We show up uh, at the few seconds. Think about them. Last eight years, same place, same situation, same meal, same environment, everything. So think about this time, how is horrible the situation they they're having. And so when they're staying in the detention center, what restrictions are there? The, everything are limited and strict facilities they have inside of detention center. Even they can't keep much um, things with them. Most of things are banned to use. Uh, they can't keep it with them also. So even they can't use any mobile phone or any pen and paper also. We, they can't use themselves in privacy. So for people who are locked up in detention, how can people support them? Uh, talk about them with uh, your friends, your local politician, and we can give some encourage or hopeful words with them. So the best place to get current information about visiting people in detention would be 8 days of solidarity for refugees.wordpress.com. Yes, that's right. And also the one of Facebook page could uh, helpful uh, friends of Mita. So they have a lot of information about visitings. Yes, that's right. So that would be friends of Mita M I T A. Yes, uh, that's right. That's a current update. And just so people know, MITRE is uh, the detention centre in Broadmeadows in Melbourne. Okay, well, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that was some um, audio about the eight days of solidarity for refugees um, that's happening from the 12th to the 19th of November. So there will be vigils and film nights and community picnics um, and some rallies and some other things. So anyone is welcome to uh, make an event or organise a solidarity action. Um, events organised so far uh, on Sunday the 12th, which is this Sunday, there'll be a campaign launch picnic at Flagstaff Gardens from 1pm. On Monday the 13th, there is a mural painting at 3CR, which is in Smith Street in Fitzroy. Um, on Friday the 17th, there is an eight-hour vigil on the 18th, which is next Saturday, there's a Solidarity Walk. So that's a walk for 8Ks starting in Coburg. Um, on the 19th, there's a Tamil Refugee Council community gathering uh, that will happening in Dandenong. So if you want to find some more information about this, you can look on that 8 Days of Solidarity for Refugees uh, webpage. And uh, I'm guessing um, we don't want any of the Patriot Blue people turning up to any of those after what they did at uh, Victoria University Student Bar last night to uh, 
Labour Senator Sam Testiari. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, that. yeah. So what happened then? Well, um, he he was really he was abused by far right group with one man declaring that uh, he was a terrorist, and he ended up using a defamatory term referring to an animal. Mm. Um, so, and I think the ugly scene yesterday was also captured on video and posted on Facebook. I know none of our listeners are going to give that any airtime, and I'm not even going to bother watching it. Um, I know there'll be some clowns who'll go and watch it, but don't give it any any airtime at all. So the verbal attack obviously spiralled with one man saying, you know, to Sam Dastieri, why don't you go back to Iran, which mm. is just ridiculous. It's also interesting that they put it up on Facebook, I exactly. believe, which is... A very strange... Well, and I think this is where um, uh, Sam was sort of quoted as saying, you know, um, on both sides of of the political debate that uh, there should be... um, there should be some kind of laws regarding, you know, these sort of political parties that are forming or parties that are forming and representing themselves as parties to be able to get away with using racist slurs like that. But I feel like this whole idea of both sides kind of is a bit of a furphy. Can I use that word? Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of, like, like, the left and the right, like, the right is racist and the left is sometimes racist but not always racist do you know what I'm yeah but not you've doing got a but, very but, good yeah. job of what i'm trying to say but he's got to he can't just sort of say oh these this group only he's got to sort of be politically correct too because as you said sometimes <laughs> <laughs> not nowhere near as much as the as the other side but sometimes so you got to yeah. yeah but i think equating both of the sides together I think isn't real, actually realistic. Oh, definitely not. Oh, definitely like not. Like what Trump yeah. did. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. If you love 3CR, then why not support us by setting up a regular donation? You decide how much and how often you donate, and once it's set up, you don't have to think about it. Monthly, weekly, annually, you decide and there's no minimum amount. Your donation is also 100% tax deductible and you can claim the entire amount back via your tax return knowing you are directly diverting Commonwealth funds to keeping your favourite station operating. It's the easiest way to grow 3CR. So if this works for you, sign up. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate or call the station on 9419-8377. Celebrate International Day of People with Disability at the Victorian Disability Sport and Recreation Festival. Featuring over 30 exhibitors and three activity zones, come and try different modified sports and watch a disabled water skiing demonstration. This is a free, accessible, family-friendly event. Friday the 1st of December from 10am to 3pm at Crown Riverwalk. For more information, visit dsr.org.au. A 3CR supporter. 
Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email info at bi-alliance.org. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Breakfast. Um, that was a song by Liz Stringer called Sinking Like a Stone. Uh, we might um, go a little bit light at this, at this point in time. Um, Hope from uh, Tuesday Breakfast had a chat with uh, Karima Del V. Um, and uh, Karim, Karima, sorry, Badila, is a Melbourne-based artist born in Indonesia. And they were talking about an upcoming event featuring Indigenous um, and women of colour artists exploring the foundational qualities of, of being through material and object relations. With me on 3CR Breakfast, I have Karima Badilla. Yes, that's correct. A Melbourne-based <laughs> artist born in Indonesia. Hey, uh, good morning, uh, Karima. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so for our listeners, can you tell us a bit about who you are and the work that you do? Uh, my name is Karima. I'm a Melbourne-based artist, and I was born in Indonesia and now live in Australia. Um, I predominantly work with ceramics and painting, and I'm back studying and working in Melbourne. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you have a show coming up. Yes. Um, the show is called Delve, yes. and it's a curated exhibition exploring the foundational qualities of being yes. through material and object relations. Yes. Yeah, so can you tell us a bit about this and how that came about? Yeah, um, so one of the things that I'm really passionate about is basically about increasing visibility of um, female artists, especially female um, women of colour in the public forum because I feel that there isn't much in terms of representations or at least we can always add to the conversations that usually predominantly are taken by um, Caucasian artists. And we I felt very strongly about it and realised, well, since nobody else is doing it, I have to do it. Mm. And... Um, I've been supported with a couple of um, mentors that really supported me through this, and they said, you, I, you should totally go ahead with it. Um, and, yeah, here I am, and everybody seems to be very supportive, <laughs> including yourself. Yeah. And what was the process like, um, sort of putting putting this together, mm-hmm. and, and where did this concept come from? Okay. So I work... Um, I guess with a lot of different artists as well. And one of the um, issues or um, ideas that we all kind of have similar interest in is about our identities as women and also our identities as women of color and how we express that through different mediums, different um, gestures or even just different objects. And it, it, I think it would be really interesting to see those kind of narratives by our own kind of people, as in not kind of people, but 
about women of color, but by also women of color. I think that's still a very rare thing to find, definitely in Australia. And also just about inclusivity, I find um, art communities or any communities in general can be a little bit clicky, as in we tend to stick with our own. So this is about, you know, working together and actually helping each other. Mm. Yeah. Um, and... And in terms of the artists, you say that you have experience in ceramics um, yes. and, and that sort of thing. In terms of some of the people that you've collaborated with for yep. this show, uh, what are some of the mediums that some of the women are using? Um, so one of the artists that I've actually spoke to um, is Kylie Thorpe. She's a Chinese, um, Russian, maybe Prussian Aboriginal woman as well, and her medium is a painting, uh, generally painting. And uh, I guess I came about of her work because I went to a couple of shows of hers and was really interested in her processes and actually just said, hi, would you like to join us in this um, exhibition? And she was so gracious and she said, yes, of course I would. And it kind of snowballed from there. And some of the other artists that I've collaborated with, I've studied with or have gone to their um, exhibitions as well and then just basically approached them and said, would they be interested in this particular project? And most of them said yes. Mm. <laughs> um, and so what can people look forward to? I think people would be looking for, uh, can look forward to a very diverse sort of narrative. Um, there's a couple of artists that has a Chinese um, Australian background, um, Korean Australian background, obviously indigenous artists. And I think it's just a kind of narrative that we don't generally see a lot of. It's about, like I said, about our stories by ourselves instead of being narrated through other lenses. Lenses. Thank you. That's mm. a good word. <laughs> yeah. And I think it would be really fun as well because some of the works are humorous. Some of the works are um, dramatic. Some of the works are just unexpected. And, and I think I think that's one of the things that I find really excited about. Yeah. Mm. Just seeing different dimensions of different narratives. Yeah. yeah. So um, so there'll be a bit of painting in there, a bit painting, of sculpture. L- lots of sculpture. I want to put the video works um, as well, but that's to be confirmed because the, the space is also something that the visitors should also be looking forward to because it's actually a crypt. And one of the sisters that actually is a founding member is lying there as in um, kind of it's her resting place and she kind of look over the whole space and I feel that also adds to the narrative of the space and yeah. the exhibition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is at the Good Shepherd uh, Chapel Crypt. Yes. It's in the gallery and um, it's downstairs under the Good Shepherd's chapel. So not in the chapel itself because the, the lady said, please don't tell them it's in the chapel. It's actually in the Crypt Gallery, which is just downstairs, but it's very prominent. If you get into the abbotsford convent it's super easy to find we're going to put um boards everywhere and it's also the farmers i think produce weekend market thing so everybody could just have a good time and bring your kids bring bring your friends have a little picnic Mm. yeah good day out i think 
Um, great. Well, um, yeah, it, it's going to be happening on uh, the 10th of November. Yes. Which is a... Friday. A Friday, yeah, yes. This coming Friday. Yes. Um, and uh, it's at the Abbotsford Convent. Yeah. But the Abbotsford Convent is very big, so make sure that you let people know that you're looking for the Good Shepherd Chapel Crypt. Gallery. Gallery. Not the chapel. <laughs> Not the chapel. Um, and, and this is... Uh, number one, St. Helens Street, Abbotsford. Yes, that's um, correct. And it's at 6 p.m.? Yes. Um, we'll have some drinks. There's also going to be um, a little speech, and you might meet some of the artists there, and they'll be very happy to answer any questions or anything you might like want to know a bit more about. Yeah. yeah, and this is happening, um, so if you're not unable to make it on the opening night, the exhibition will be going until the 20th of November. Correct, yes, and we're going to be open on through, throughout the weekend as well, just 10 to 6, I think is the time. Great, wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so just some of some of the artists are Echo Wang, Echo Wang, yeah, yourself, myself, uh, Kylie, Kylie Thorpe, yes, Kylie Thorpe, and Marco, Marco Xia, yeah, yeah, That's Marco Xia, Tingye, Bonnie, yes, yeah, and Yon, Yonje. Yonje, yes, wonderful, yes, um, and and so um, yeah, this is this is really great. So for people who want to find out more information, where can they go? They could go to my website. It's www. I for India, M for Mary, and then Karima, K A R I M A. dot com, and then they could just have a look at the flyer, and all the details would be there. Great, and you also have a Facebook page. Oh yes, and there is also an F uh, Facebook page event for for more information, and you can also just click on that if you like to say whether you're attending or interested or wanting to forward it to your friends. Yeah, great, wonderful. Uh, well, thank you so much for speaking with us on Three CR Breakfast, Karima. Thank um, you. Really looking forward to the show and all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks. And if you're just tuning in to 3CR Breakfast, I was speaking with Karima Badilla, a Melbourne-based artist born in Indonesia. And you can go to uh, killinganxiety.com or you can go to theartistguild.com.au about the event. And there's also a Facebook page, um, so just look for Karima Badilla, K-A-R-I-M-A. B double A D I double L A. Um, just quickly, there is a benefit punk and hardcore show Friday 17th at Footscray Hotel. All proceeds are going to the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre to assist with the Manus Island refugee crisis. So the lineup will have uh, Force of Will, Enzyme, Judas Wolf. I love that name, Judas Wolf. Dove and doors open at eight. Um, Fifteen dollars. And eighteen dollars. Oh, sorry, eighteen plus. Uh, you can go to um, Facebook event also, uh, Rock for Refugees, and I'm sure there'll be a link on the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. Uh, they do some fantastic work. Many of our Thursday breakfast listeners will know that um, Con was a co-host on the show for about six or seven years. So mm. get out there and support the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, Rock for Refugees. <laughs> In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. 
years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to Thursday Breakfast at 3CR. So I'm sure pretty much all of our listeners are aware that there has been a marriage um, survey going on at the moment. Um, So we're going to listen to some audio um, from Sebastian and Felix, who are part of a rainbow family, and they're going to be talking about the impact of the campaign and how that has affected them. My name is Sebastian. I'm 11 years old and I'm in grade 5. My name is Felix. I'm 11 years old. I'm in grade 5. Originally, we had two mums, Zoe and Janet. At the age, I think we were 10, they had a divorce and Zoe repartnered with a woman called Jillian. We have quite a few pets, which we all love, and we're quite tight and we all love each other. We have one very beloved dog called Chad, four cats, Pudding, Trifle and Sissy, and one more Fanny, which is a Persian, Stella, a manic poodle-like dog that is very scruffy. At the moment, there's conversation going on in our country around marriage equality. What can you boys tell me about that conversation and what you're hearing? I would definitely say yes, because everyone should have the opportunity to express their love, whether it's the love for the opposite gender or the same gender. And it's pretty crazy that we should even have a vote that's going around, because if the no vote Um, wins, which it won't, that sets us 10 years back and it's just crazy that we even have the vote in the first place. We should all just, yeah, should go to Parliament. You know, one of these people who weren't sure or never met a Rainbow family before came in and and had dinner at your house. What's dinner at your house look like? Well, so Sebastian, you've been to my place for dinner. Is it any different eating dinner at my place than eating dinner at your place? Because I've eaten dinner at your place too. No, not really at all. We're all kind of just cooking and having fun. We don't really do grace sometimes on Christmas and those kind of holidays and stuff. We're really all the same, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) When it comes down to it. You know, I know some of the other parents at at the school you're at. Do you feel like there's any difference between you and your, your mates at school? No, not really. They're all pretty happy. And um, when it's talking about divorce between gay or lesbian family divorce and straight divorce, I think it's there's no real difference mm. because it's, it's still your family splitting up into two halves. Yeah. Families experience highs and lows, whether they're rainbow families or not rainbow families. We're, we're all families and we're all very complicated and, yeah. and it's just life really, isn't it? I'd, I'd usually not explain the differences but the similarities. Nice. Um, I would say, imagine just say if you had a dad and a mum, imagine the dad would just be replaced with a mum and 
women and men don't have to be all manly or all womanly. Some they can change. The the gender is just gender. It's not like a it doesn't thing. change your personality <laughs> yeah. or what you so do. It could still be that person there. It's just they wouldn't be the same gender, and that's not really going to affect anything. But the name of that being a rainbow family. I know that we've laughed in the past, your mum and I, because she does stuff that most dads can't do. You know, <laughs> she rides a scooter and a skateboard, and she's awesome at basketball, and she can kick a footy 50 metres. And she, you know, she is a really cool mum yeah. who you know can put the dad hat on pretty easily yeah. too. Even dad jokes. Even dad oh. jokes. <laughs> Give me an That's example true. of one of her dad jokes. Why did the toilet paper roll down the hill? To get to the bottom. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. And then she would say, um, I've got a million of them. And then we all say back, why did you give us that one? <laughs> if there are some people listening to this who are not sure whether to go yes or no, they're not sure if they should even bother, what would you say to these people that have got that sitting on their bench right now? If you vote yes, you're going to make a lot of people happy, and that's for sure. If you vote no... You will make some people happy, but But then you're going to crush a lot of people. If you did say yes, the people that don't will say no. How is my mum's or uh, dad's getting together in holy matrimony (laughs) going to actually affect your life? You may see them on the streets, but it's only going to make them happier. And I say, why... Why... Why making someone happy is going to make you sad or mad? Why? The whole fact of um, homophobes is um, like you might be scared that they like you, but like it's just it's just all people. Even if you're not you're not gay or lesbian, it's not going to affect you if you vote yes. It's just going to make one more person happier. Ah, kids, hey, we know that um, the same-sex postal survey closed on the 27th, um, but the absolute deadline was 6pm on Tuesday, November the 7th, so Melbourne Cup, uh, and we thought, well, while we wait for the outcome, uh, we're great to share some stories from the LGBTIQ community across Australia, and the recording was obviously done in the lead-up to the survey outcome, and yeah, I think um, children, uh, you know, there's no, uh, f- uh, I guess there's no smoke and mirrors with kids. They say it the mm-hmm. way that it is. It's the truth. They, they're living the experience. And, you know, to hear yeah. a nine-year-old talking so candidly and openly about how his the, his life is um, just the same as everybody else's, um, right. but they are missing that one part. It, Holy matrimony. I, could, I couldn't even nearly say that, and he said it the first time. But um, that was Sebastian and his brother Felix from Rando Family, and I guess they were talking about the impact um, the campaign is having on them and their family, and they answered the most important question, which is can mums tell dad jokes too at the same time? <laughs> um, the results of the, of the club site will be released next Wednesday. Oh, really? Yep. Around midday, um, there's a bunch of events. I know that there's going to be people hanging out at Trades Hall to hear the results and also in Fed Square as well. I'm feeling nervous. 
I don't know why because I I'm, I don't I'm I'm an optimistic person usually, but I just want to wait Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. You yeah know, I think I, I think you've you've lived. I've lived through, Brexit. <laughs> yeah, through one of those. You know, like ah, don't worry. There's no way. You know, like and then we'll be crying the next day. So yeah. I just want to wait Wednesday, and hope for the best. I yeah. think um you know we, I I I, I firmly have not questioned that the result will go yes, but then when I hear you talk and then when I hear, you know, people who come from different parts of Australia than the cities talk about it, it's, yeah, you start to sort of think, oh, please. And people will never tell you the truth if they think that the answer is not politically correct. So, for example, the on Trump election, you will hear everyone saying, oh, I'm voting for Hillary. Then how come he became president? <laughs> although she it's won pretty three, marginal. Yeah. Although she won three million votes, like the popular votes, but still, you know what I mean? People won't tell you. Mm-hmm. what they, they might tell you, yeah, yeah, of course, I believe in equality, in marriage and sex and everything. And then they go and vote something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm such a skeptic. Well, French, I think we had a chat really about this, that it's meant, uh, I found it, Quite bizarre that it's meant to, was meant to be anonymous. Sort of your you voting, you know, it was meant to be confidential, but everybody got a postal vote associate with a number associated to their address mm. and and you know their registration on the electoral roll. Yeah. So realistically, they do know what everybody voted. You know, obviously you and I won't know what yeah. each other voted, but mm. they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's all, you know, just do it and nobody will know it's anonymous. And it's like, well, don't worry so much about the barcode then, just let people, just send them all out to people and then vote. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that they sent it to mm. our addresses, like there's so many problems with the whole way that the whole thing was undertaken, let alone questions of why we had to have this yeah, yeah, thing yeah. as well. And it's not even binding. I will never manage to understand why they even started with this idea in the first place. A plebiscite legally Politics. has no... Mm. Th- there is absolutely no... It's not binding anyone and spending millions. That And then they can't save 600 people, 600 refugees mm. in a detention center. This is what drives me nuts. They have millions and millions to do something so ridiculous as a plebiscite, but then they cannot welcome... 20,000 people that are persecuted in their country. I will never manage to understand that. And regardless of what people say, no, but you need to see both sides. There is, sometimes there is no both sides. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's only yeah. one side. Yeah. 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 Uh, Do we ever have, I don't remember, but I know it was spoken about it, and you probably might not remember Bruce Ruxton, but, you know, there was always that movement to have, I think it was maybe Paul Keating as well. Do we ever have a Republican um Vote? Oh, vote. Like, was there money ever spent on that? I can't remember. I was sure that um, there was, there was, they were trying to push for Australia to, yeah, to vote whether we wanted to be a republic or not. <sighs> but I can't remember any, if any money got spent on it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that it ebbs and flows <sighs> and has been a Did it ever. Know, yeah. course throughout. Yeah. And yeah. then we had a, a wedding in England to just boost... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, but I remember watching Diane and Charles's wedding, so I'll have to say maybe <laughs> I'm a monarchist at heart. Cause Are it, you revealing I, your age? Then? I, I, I did. I was quite young, but I did sit in front of the TV glued to mm. that TV, and I was just like, oh. I was in London for the recent royal wedding a couple yeah. of years ago. 
Um, the so country stops, yeah? I know, it was nuts. I yes. was walking from, like, up from Victoria train station. Me and my sister walked up to Buckingham Palace. And a week before, no joke, there people was thousands of people oh. yeah. sleeping on the pavement yeah. to get a good spot to watch them Walk ride out of the balcony. Pa- yeah, ride, ride past <laughs> in a carriage. Like, wow. a week before. Wow. Yeah, the royals over there are just, it's insane. But I'm sure it's the same, you know, for... King Swati or whatever in Mozambique when he goes around just cruising in his cars. There's people lighting the streets of Mozambique for weeks. We kicked the royals in France with potatoes like, to kick them out. It doesn't surprise yeah. me. You guys just don't take anything. You know, it's like, get out. Here's a few, take a few potatoes on the way out. Go make some grappa. <laughs> The Solidarity and Defence Fund is a democratically controlled fund that materially supports activists who are facing legal sanctions or other problems due to their stand against injustice and oppression. All contributors who pledge at least $5 a month can take part in collectively making decisions about how the fund is used. Your contributions support and grow movements for social justice and defend activists in the fight for a better world. For more information or to join, go to patreon.com forward slash solidarity defence fund. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Solidarity Defence Fund. A 3CR supporter. 3CR Breakfast would like to say thanks to program sponsor, The New International Bookshop, for the financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall at 54 Victoria Street, Carlton. Ah, it's nearly the end of a jam-packed show. Um, We started the show with some audio from the Refugee Action Coalition rally that happened on Saturday. Yes, and then at 7.30 we had uh, an interview with Chris Breen from Refugee Action Collective. So he told us a little bit more about the situation, which is getting worse and worse, it feels. So he urged us to... Pick up the phone and call your MP. I will leave all the details this time on the website. Mm-hmm. I will spare you the n- number. Oh, I'll read out a few. I'd like to. Julie okay. Bishops, you know. Bishop, okay. Julie Bishop, 0262 777500. And Peter Dutton. Oh, that guy. You call her. Just call her. Yep. And yeah. go. And, and, and. We'll put all the um, the details for, I think, um, some of the audio included um, some activists from Manus Island yeah. who were tweeting, so we'll put them on um, the Thursday breakfast link. Um, and also tomorrow um, and every Friday after that, there's yep. going to be um, a rally, um, a solidarity rally, rally at 5.30 at uh, the State Library. So get along to that. I think it's really important. At 8 o'clock, we heard from Karima Badila, who spoke to Tuesday Breakfast's Hope uh, regarding an upcoming event featuring Indigenous uh, and women of colour artists exploring, yeah, foundational qualities through material and object relations. Um, so you can see that at killanxiety.com. So that's K-I-L-N-A-N-X-I-E-T-Y.com. And then we heard from... Sebastian and Felix. Yeah, at 10 past 8, we heard the wonderful story and the insight of such a, such a candid interview, mm. right, from mm. Sebastian. And he's just saying that if you answer no, it will crush so many people. This just got me. Like, you know, like, he's like a kid of nine years old, like, understood the whole issue. And you have, like, some ignorant, you know, adults that are going to vote no. This is what's driving me 
you know, like I'm thinking, what are we, which country are we living in? I can't even speak. <laughs> this uh, plebiscite shouldn't have taken place in the first place anyway. It should have New England. straight away said everyone should be equal, everyone should be able to love whoever they want. And the people that would vote no, just bear in mind that you're not... You probably have one child one day who will be gay mm. or maybe your sister that didn't come out. So be extremely careful. You know, karma has no deadline. And so, that's, that's, you know? that's one of five. And I think as Grace mentioned, the results are out next Wednesday. So yes. Thursday's show, um, d- 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 depend whatever the outcome, we be nice to play the other celebrating four. Or crying. I won't yeah. come if it's a no. I'll be depressed. But thank you for joining us on 3CL Thursday Breakfast. We've always got Lost in Science following us every Thursday. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a lot happening this week. There's a lot happening next week. And, mm. um, look... If you can take anything out of this, to this morning's show, um, I, I guess is, um, you know, just uh, go online and have a look at the, the plight of the refugees in Manus Island. Maybe yeah. go to one of the events, experience it for yourself if you haven't. I doubt that anybody that is associated with 3CR hasn't been to one of those rallies and, and seen it. But if you don't want to go, just pick the phone. You could be saving lives just with one phone call because it all adds up. Hmm. You know, don't think, oh, one phone call won't make any difference. It will. Yeah. And that's it. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.